What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single day. Free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine to make it your first listen every single day. We got a fun show for you today. I got a fun show for you today. The Blazers win a summer league game. Your summer Blazers get a victory, improved to two and one. And two players have separated themselves from the rest. I want to talk about Jabari Walker who continues to look like an NBA player drafted the second-to-last pick in the NBA draft. How about that? And Trenton Watford, who is making a case to play regular minutes just immediately and forever because he has um, he's uniquely talented enough to do that. I want to talk about some other stuff. Uh, for, we'll start with the good and then go into the bad of Summer League. Uh, those two are separating themselves. No, nobody else so much just yet. And uh, the ESPN decided to force Richard Jefferson upon us during this game. And I want to talk a little bit about that experiment. If you were lucky enough to watch it on television, you got to experience it with me. And it was a lot. <laughs> We got a split screen of a referee. And finally, the uh, NBA is going to decide tomorrow on making the play-in tournament permanent. I kind of think that's bad news. I'll tell you why I don't think it's good news for your Portland Trailblazers, but let's start with the fun stuff. Jabari Walker is good. We talked about him after every game, uh, and I, I kind of said, okay, well, we'll, we'll tone it down on the, on the Jabari stuff today, just planning the show. And then you watch him, and he just knows how to play basketball. He's such a competent, smart basketball player that I, I can't help but give my man air time. The 57th pick after two seasons at Colorado looks like he can play in this league. I'm not sure. Let, let's start with the caveat. I don't think he plays night one. I don't think he's in the rotation to begin with. I still think he's probably a two-way contract, although he's making a case to give him a real deal NBA contract because he can play. But like, you know, I think his shot is a little bit slow and I think his handle's a little bit loose than when he plays against high-level competition. Those things will stand out a little bit. But he just knows how to play basketball. And he's 6'9". And he's strong and he has multiple skills. Like he made some jumpers tonight. Um, ball go in. This like it always looks better when the ball goes in. But like he just has some skills. The things that stood out to me this evening from Jabari Walker, and I think this was for me, this was like when it starts to get exciting, was that he made some um plays on defense that weren't blocking shots and getting steals, where you're like, oh, he like is just he the dude just has a, a a great sense of how the sport is played. Uh, one where he stopped corral the ball handler on a switch and just moved his feet and like chopped his feet and kept a guy in front. And then another where uh, he pressured a big away from the rim, like a like size player away from the rim, uh, and just moved his feet to make it impossible for a one dribble move to beat him. The ball ended up getting knocked away and it stayed with the Knicks. But like two little minor defensive plays, not going to show up anywhere. They're not going to be on the my man Tristan shooting slow-mo videos for the Blazers on the baseline. They're not going to be in Tristan's highlight package. If, Tristan, if you're listening, uh, make a shoot, make a highlight of of, uh, of Jabari Walker slowly moving his feet in super slow-mo and, and corralling a ball handler on defense. Uh, the nerds would love to see it. But like, he just, if you watch him, he just knows how to play basketball. Uh, there was a play late in the game where he, he caught the ball on the wing, double team came, he just quickly got rid of it and found Trent and Watford in space. Watford finds Greg Brown for a dunk. Moving the ball quickly just created the advantage. Trent and Watford does the rest with his smarts. Uh, Greg Brown, one thing he can do is cut baseline for a dunk, and he sure as heck 
did it. Uh, Jabari Walker can play. I'm not sure he plays night one, but he can play in this league. Uh, and the the like the best thing you can say about him is if he's not in the rotation night one, totally makes sense. Like the Blazers have veterans ahead of him who are better basketball players than he is. But if one of those dudes can't play for some reason, or they pick up a third foul in the first half, I think you can look down the bench to to a young man who was the 57th pick in the draft and say, hey, Jabari, we need you. We need, can you give us four minutes to close out the quarter because Nazir Little picked up his third foul because Justice Winslow picked up his third foul because somebody is, you know, somebody sprained their ankle and they're going to miss, you know, the weekend games. I think you can, I think he, uh, Jabari Walker is a very comfortable plug and play guy because of his sense. He just knows how to play basketball on both ends. Uh, a friend texted me, said like, your guy is balling. And I said, he just, it, like, Jabari Walker knows how to, because he's been listening to the podcast and knows that I've been raving about him. Jabari Walker just knows how to play. And it's a treat to watch someone who knows how to play in summer league where there's a bunch of dudes who, who seem like sometimes they don't know how to play or their skills and their sort of athleticism aren't, haven't, haven't met yet. Uh, the other bright spot for the Blazers is Trenton Watford continues to be, um, he's the best player on the team. And he, he, you know, I thought he had a really rough opening game against Detroit. Um, the Pistons were big and I think size, their size was not something that, um, Trenton could take advantage of. And I thought he was a little loose, just trying to push the ball and transition and play a little too fast. He has slowed down in games two and three and he looks good. Um, he can, he, when he has a mismatch, Trenton Watford can exploit it. I think the concern with him is when he doesn't have a mismatch, he doesn't create advantages. But like, yeah, sure, sure. Most role players can't, you know, if you could take advantage of everyone, you'd be a different like level of player. But when Watford has a physical advantage with someone, he's really quick to recognize it and he gets he gets to it. In this game, it was the post. He was a couple guys in the Knicks he was picking on. Uh, one in transition really stood out to me where he yelled at Greg Brown, come set this screen. This little dude can't guard me. Got the screen, took him into the post, hit a little push shot. Trent Watford's floater game and in-between push touch game from like 14 feet it in is incredible and so when he gets you in the post and gets you on his hip on his backside he can get to those little pushes those little flip shots with his great touch and score he did it three or four times tonight where he just used his strength he does it against bigs where he can beat him with speed um, when he doesn't have that advantage he's you know he's still not a shooter he still is either unwilling or just kind of not good at it and so he doesn't it's tough for him to create advantages in other ways but my man finds mismatches and goes and gets them. And you've got to, you've got to appreciate that about him. I think Trent Watford plays night one. Like I, I think he is first night rotation guy. Uh, maybe not a lot of minutes. Uh, and depending on what the decision is with like where Justice Winslow and Nazir and Jeremy Grant play and how those three play. Cause I think that's like the spot for Trendon is somewhere in that, like he's going to play back up five, but like does he get minutes at four also? That would keep him on the court a little bit longer. Uh, like, he's going to play night one, I think. I'm, I'm almost certain he'll play night one, unless they stay big with Drew Eubanks. But I, my guess from how the Blazers have constructed this roster is that you look that's their backup center for some some minutes most nights. And Wofford, is, he's good enough to take advantage of that spot. Um, he has, when he is... When he stays within himself and he has a weird game that's hard to kind of figure out, when he stays within himself, he can be really, really effective. When when he kind of steps outside of his skill set, he looks outside of it very quickly. Uh, the shooting is still going to have to get there for him to be like a high-level NBA contributor, but he he has enough herky-jerky touch that I think he's a, he's a night one. I think he's your Blazers backup center on the first game of the season, uh, barring roster changes, which in which case I'll hedge. 
those were the bright spots from Blazers. Summer League. Jabari Walker and Trenton Watford are bright spots. Those are the Blazers' two best players. I want to talk about some uh, less than bright spots. Uh, I think some other Blazers young guys haven't taken that step forward, and ESPN subjected me to watching a lot of Richard Jefferson in just a complete misstep on how fans appreciate NBA refereeing. Let's talk about that in the second segment. But first, Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. That's what they're doing. That's what it is. Uh, I've been eating Built Bars and telling you about Built Bars for so long that I never open the ad copy anymore. They send us ad copy. I never read it. Here's why. I really like Bill Bars. I don't need to read and tell you that about how special they are. I just eat them. I eat them because they taste really good. They're covered in chocolate. They give you that little blood sugar boost that you're going to need, but they also pack a punch, like 17 uh, grams of protein with just four grams of sugar and four net carbs. Only 130 calories in the bars that I like. It's a pretty darn good trade-off and gets you going, lets you watch a Blazers Summer League game and then, and then p- crank out some podcasts and audio and video content afterwards. So go get yourself some Bill Bars. Jump on the train. Join me in this journey. Go to Bill.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bill.com. All right. Talk about Blazers' bright spots. They got a couple not-so-bright spots, quite frankly, in the Summer League. Keon Johnson had a great game one, but as it is with young guys, he's just been inconsistent, hasn't been as nearly as good in games two and three. There are moments with Keon when it when it clicks for him. There are moments when it clicks for him. He had a steal and a great pass ahead to Trent Wofford in transition with his skills. Um, he had a couple nice cuts. like he, he, he made his threes tonight, didn't shoot very well inside the paint. That continues to be an issue for him, but like... There are moments when you see it with him, but he's just, he's inconsistent. Like he's a young guy still finding his way and that's kind of what summer league is for. And he will continue to be a developmental part for the Blazers. Like you take a, you take someone as young as he was in the draft. Uh, you know, they didn't draft him, but he went, you know, 21st to the, to the Clippers. Like you knew he was going to be a multi-year project. I don't think year two Keon is an NBA contributor, but he has tools that you want to see him keep growing. Um, get him if there are some some opportunities, which it's hard for me to find where they would be. Uh, you know, get him in there. But for the most part, he's a developmental part of the back end of the bench. And I think summer league, where is maybe a chance to show that he was more than that, has kind of confirmed for me that he's you know he's still a guy who is. The flashes to get there, the sort of competitiveness on defense, but not always great decision making, the, the flashes of both playmaking and drive, like slashing ability and shooting ability on offense, but not all of the package there for him. He's he's a guy who's going to take a little more seasoning and the the Blazers, uh, they got some young guys back in half of the roster. They're going to have some, they will be able to, that they will have to take their time with. Uh, Didi Luzada didn't play in this game. He struggled in summer league. He doesn't look like uh, an NBA player to me. Uh, did not play in this game with a with knee soreness. Uh, we'll see if he suits up for the rest of summer league. And Greg Brown had a couple highlight dunks. That's kind of what Greg Brown does. When it's easy for him, he makes it look incredibly easy. And when it's a little bit difficult for him, he makes it look really difficult. Like, um... I will, I'll give her credit. She's not going to listen to this, but I was watching this game with my wife and she said, if Greg Brown knew what to do with his feet, he'd be a lot better. And that's really it. Like he doesn't get his, he doesn't get his, his, um, he just doesn't get his feet under him. He doesn't get organized to do things on defense. Sometimes he gets caught, um, you know, a step slow because he's watching and his feet aren't moving in an offense. Sometimes he's just not, he's not, at, he's out of control or out of position because he's not organized. Um, if he, if he, if he knew what to do with his feet, he'd be a lot better basketball player. Astute observation. Uh, like, but Greg was, I was hoping that Greg would show some improved shot making, a little hand, like if he tightened up his handle, it would totally change the game for him because he's just such a good athlete. Uh, 
it just hasn't been there for him. And he still kind of is a bad decision maker on defense. You know, same kind of deal as as Keon, high-level high recruit who uh, wasn't, you know, wasn't that as good as you thought he might be in, in college and is still kind of figuring out his path in the pros. Uh, I don't think Greg is a, I think he's behind Jabari Walker pretty considerably in terms of like, hey, is there a 6'8 dude on the end of the bench that can play some minutes? That person is going to be Trenton Wofford, that person is going to be Jabari Walker, and you know, Greg is, Greg is a developmental part. I think, um, what you're hoping in summer league with this stuff is that, um, someone is too good to be there. Someone gets sent home. Like if you're watching it, watching someone summer league, you want them to be sent home because it's like too good to play. You played two games. See you later. Uh, I don't think the Blazers have someone like that. I mean, you could argue Trina Watford is, but I don't think he is. And, and they need him for just for organizational purposes, helps the rest of the team with his skill set. Um, and beyond like too good to be here, you're hoping someone jumps out at you like the way Jabari Walker does, where it's like, okay, clearly this is a young dude who's still, you know, it is a summer league type of level of player, summer league quality player for sure belongs in these games, but like has some stuff. And I don't think Keon or Greg has shown you that stuff beyond just some athletic tools that nobody else has. And that's why they're there, because if they can put the rest of their sort of skill development with those athletic tools, they are different paths. There's they're, a different calculation. The other bad thing that happened this game is that ESPN, uh, ESPN employee Richard Jefferson refereed a portion of the second quarter and like, whatever, I, you got to drive eyeballs to television. Uh, it's, you know, this game started after 11 PM on the East coast. They needed West coast viewers. Um, I was going to watch it regardless, but they need a hook, uh, to get some people to watch this game. Like, cool. Uh, I, I, I hope it worked for ESPN. Sure. Sure. I'll root for them. <laughs> I'll root for them. Um, but for me, the refereeing spectacle deeply misses the mark with me as an NBA fan. I said with me like 10 times that sentence, but with me, this is my personal opinion. It's my, it's my podcast, my microphone. Uh, like the, the average NBA fan or the NBA fan in my eyes has a general mistrust of, of officiating the league. I don't know if it's like a crisis of trust, but it is certainly a belief that the refereeing, particularly at the highest levels of the game, when the games matter the most, is subjective to the point of being specific from player to player. And taking one of the professional re referees off the court and putting on an amateur for some television spectacle does not make you feel like, oh, the league is taking this very seriously and, um, you know, and treating this with the utmost respect. It was, Richard Jefferson was supposed to show us how hard refereeing was. And to me, he showed how the sort of the general lack of understanding the league has about what me, what I as a consumer am interested in. Uh, they brought in the director of, or one of the directors of officiating, I'm not sure his title, but somebody who works in the league officiating office, Monty McCutcheon, longtime NBA referee. And he was really interesting on the broadcast, talking about refereeing and what they want to see and how they grade refs. I would have liked to see a professional referee and them to talk openly and candidly about how they improve refereeing, how they grade refereeing, how it all works. Because what I know, and the refs will never admit, and Steve Javi will get on national television and lie to me about what they're doing, is like when you go to LA and you play in whatever that arena is called, LeBron James gets a, a cleaner whistle. He doesn't get as many foul calls. I know that stars get better whistles. I know that complaining is an important part of stars' arsenals because they will be refereed different than other players. I know that. The league will never admit it. I don't need Richard Jefferson to say, this is hard. Who knows? I want someone to explain the process of making the refereeing better. That's what I want. Um, if you enjoyed it, I'm not trying to yuck your yum or anything. Um, just for me... It seemed to be the exact opposite of what I want from the NBA's like push to make 
transparency more valuable. Um, and also they did a split screen where they were just showing Richard Jefferson and part of the game. My goodness, um, he's on the court. We can spot him. We can spot him. Say he's number 77 on the baseline. You just watch him if you want to watch him. He didn't, it's just, it was a lot. It was too much for me. <laughs> I got worked up about RJ. Let's talk about the play-in tournament. It's here to stay. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN and also Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports both reported uh, that uh, on Tuesdays, this is, you're listening to Tuesday, Jan- July 12th show, but on Tuesday, when the day the show comes out, uh, the NBA Board of Governors is going to vote to make the play-in tournament part permanently part of the league's schedule. And I kind of think that's bad news for your Portland Trailblazers. Let's talk about it in the third segment. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Playing tournament's here to stay, and I just straight up think that's bad news for the Trailblazers. It's fun. Let's get that out of the way. The, the play-in tournament has improved the end of the of the season. The end of the NBA season, the final six weeks for much of the 21st century, sucked. <laughs> they were awful because you had eight or ten teams actively trying to lose every single game. Uh, you had a couple teams bailing out and saying, okay, we, we we do need to lose for sure. And you had a couple teams that were just like, well, we're locked into, we are, we're either going to be fifth or sixth, and we'd actually rather be fifth, so or rather be sixth, so we can just lose, it won't matter. Like, it, like we, don't, we don't care about the outcome of these games. It has forced teams to care. Because one, you can't play for seeding in the same way if you're at the top of, um, if you're at the top of the bracket, and if you are sixth, you know, fifth or sixth, there's real incentive to miss those spots. And if you are 11th, there's real reason to keep playing to end up in 10th. And if you're in 9th, there's real reason to keep playing and avoid 9th and end 8th. Like it has fixed the whole sort of back half of the playoffs and made those games more competitive. It incentivized teams like the Sacramento Kings to make a win now trade. They lost still because they're the Kings. It incentivized a team like the New Orleans Pelicans who finished 36 and 46 to keep to make a big serious trade and keep keep pushing along and keep you know trying to f- uh, push the right buttons plugging along push the right buttons and they ended up making the playoffs and gave a you know gave the Suns a, a real I don't know I'm not gonna say a real scare they gave them a challenge they challenged a good team in the Phoenix Suns like they had a really successful season that they otherwise would not have had if they had been in the play-in tournament. The Pelicans at 36 and 46 had no business playing a team that had a much better regular season than the Clippers in the in the playing round. Like that it's kind of bogus uh when when you think about the sort of reward of the regular season. But it the play-in tournament served its exact purpose. It made those games meaningful. It made uh Patrick Beverly cry and take off his shirt because they won they made the playoffs. It it put the Pelicans, it put the Pelicans in a position to have a wonderful season that rewarded that fan base. That's good for the league. That's good for the league. Playing tournament should be here because it's good for the league. For all those reasons, it's bad for the Trailblazers. I think the Blazers are a play-in type team right now, play-in type talent, talented team right now. I think there's something like six, a ceiling of five if if they're really, if Dame goes nuts. Supernova Dame, they're ceiling like the fifth best team in the West. I guess Supernova like fourth, but realistically five and more realistically six and probably in that seven, eight, nine, ten range because the West is going to be better next year. Like the the Jazz are worse and the Spurs pulled the plug, but the Spurs were 10th and they shouldn't have been there anyways because the Lakers were just totally inept. So the, say the Lakers are not inept and they're ninth. The Clippers are going to be way better. The uh, 
Minnesota got way better. New Orleans is going to be better, assuming Zion plays. And if not, they're just going to be better because they have CJ for a full season. Uh, everybody else is like still in the mix. Uh, Dallas might have gotten uh, like a little bit worse, but not really. Um, you know, if you like Christian Wood more than me, maybe you think differently. But like, they're still going to be there. The Nuggets are going to be better. Uh, Phoenix, we will see, but they might add Kevin freaking Durant. Um, so like... Yeah, like it's just there's there are just still a bunch of teams that are more talented than Portland. But that wouldn't be a problem if there was a race for eight spots, because when there's a race for eight spots, the team that's in 10th and 11th with um, a week left in the regular season says, yeah, screw this. Or even two weeks, three weeks left in the regular season, they say mm, four and a half games back at eighth. 12 games left. Are we really going to make up five games in 12? You know, we're really going to be, are we really going to be able to make up a five game jump in, in 12 games? No, we're not. Screw this. We're like, shut them down or don't, you know, don't play, play out the string because it doesn't matter. You're not going to catch them. Now you don't have to catch all the way up. You just got to get to 10th and get in the mix uh, and more teams in the mix and more teams not pulling the plug, even for Victor Wembanyama out there, like more teams in the mix. It just makes it harder, makes the makes the, the West harder. Um, I think the West is relatively open in terms of like there is no dominant team. Like the Warriors are better than everyone else, but they're not um, wildly, they're not so much wildly better in my humble opinion that they'll, um, that they'll roll through everybody again. Like a, They'll be they'll be good. I think if Memphis had been healthy, they would be they would have given they would have given specifically Golden State a scare. Um, I think you know again the Kevin Durant thing kind of standing over the league. I think Minnesota is like really intriguing. I think Denver has you know could get back and be there. Like I think I think the West is really flat, but really flat doesn't help the Blazers either because it's just like there's a bunch of talented teams that are going to be going for it. Uh, I think. I think in general, the return of the summer league or the re- summer league, the return of the play-in tournament or the the permanence of the play-in tournament, which uh, according to again reports from Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes and ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, here to stay, like here to stay, will be announced tomorrow, maybe officially, but here to stay, um, is probably just makes the West that was already very challenging even more challenging. You, the play-in tournament is going to be tough to get out of there and be and be a, a fixture because you're going to have to go on the road to the, one of the top two seeds. It means you're not a very good team. If you finish or not one of the very good teams, I should think is a better way to phrase that. If you finish in the plan, there's going to be some good teams that are in the plan for sure. But also just like you got to expend a bunch of energy for a team waiting for you in the, uh, in the playoffs. And like the hardest thing to do is the sort of that mental, the mental grind of continuing of taking it from the NBA regular season, which is incredibly long to that next level in the playoffs and having to expend potentially two full games to get there. Um, that's an exhausting ask. Uh, it's going to be, it's, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's a tough road uh, for folks. Uh, in addition, board of governors is expected to discuss a in-season tournament, which would have round Robin and then followed by an eight team seeded tournament before Christmas. So like the stretch of the NBA season that is hidden by co- the college football season, it doesn't exist because everyone's watching college football. Um, the league is trying to spice it up. So you'll actually watch because nobody watches before Christmas because they're watching, um, because the NBA regular season is not rewarding and it's not covered in a way that's rewarding, unless you're listening to Lockdown Blazers, where we keep it, we keep it real all all regular season long. But in general, like as a mass coverage thing, um, casual fans don't check in until Christmas, and they check back in at MLK Day, and then they check back in when the playoffs start. Uh, and the NBA desperately needs fans to pay attention to the regular season. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably pay attention to the regular season. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to like your uncle or your 
uh, your little sister or something. Someone needs to, to tap into the tap into the regular season who only watches during the playoffs. Uh, the in-season tournament proposal could include, according to Woj, uh, from dropping down from 82 to 78 games. I think that's a big deal because it's NBA teams agreeing to lose two home games. Um, and uh, the other thing is the NBA is also going to vote to eliminate the take foul. That is the intentional foul in the backcourt to stop a fast break. It would be one shot and the ball. They did in the G League. Uh, apparently from my G League folks tell me it helped stop it in the G League because it's just too much of a punishment. Um, the league needs any any way to get more dunks in the NBA is good. And stopping fast breaks from when you're you know grabbing Giannis Antetokounmpo so he doesn't do a huge dunk in an arena is bad for the sport. So uh, the take foul desperately needed to change. Um, I'm glad they're doing it. That's it for today's show. We get to watch Jabari Walker again soon. That's pretty fun. Blazers play again on Thursday. Get a couple off days before we get there. So uh, be sure to come back and watch that one. Be sure to come back for some more shows. Uh, the I've been teasing a couple interviews. One of them, a maybe for this week. One of them has been pushed back to next week. Uh, Lockdown Blazers isn't going anywhere. Five days a week, all month long. Uh, we are. We, there is going to be a time when the offseason comes for the Lockdown Blazers, but it ain't yet. So come back tomorrow. Come back the next day. Every day, every day of the week. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.